greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. I am your co-host, Michael, and I'm not joined by Joshua Merval, but I am joined by G.I. Julie. Hi, I'm here. And Bex Luthor. Hi, I'm here. Somehow Josh got out of this one. Oh, that's son of a... He was like, you know what? No, thank you. Yeah. I wonder why. What are we doing today? Yeah, he was like, my body, my rules. He said, he said, no, I can't, I can't make my eyes do this. I can't make my eyes look at this. And I was like, that's fair. So yeah, if you've read the description, you know that we're here, we're here to talk about Morbius. Jesus. The uh, this is this one's been a long time coming. It's been delayed a few times. I'm sure everyone knows the story. We're not going to get into that. We're not going to talk about uh, Jared Leto's behind the scenes antics because you know. He's been upset about that. We can't stand him. Anyway, so we're just going to talk about the movie. We don't really need to summarize it because I'm sure anyone... I mean, should we summarize the plot? Yeah. Do we need to? Okay. Yeah, of course. Okay, let's do... Okay, we'll do the two-minute version, okay? So basically... And you guys jump in whenever you want. So we open up with Michael Morbius going to some island, right? To to investigate something that's happening. He's, He's taking bats from their home. Right. And then, oh, and the reason he's doing this, we find out, is because he has an incurable um, disease. Yes. And uh, we kind of flash back and we find out that, uh, you know, he was sent to this uh, hospital uh, when he was a little kid and he met another guy named, also named Michael, right? No. No, his name's Lucian, but he calls him Milo. Milo. Okay, okay. I thought there was something in common about their names. Did they make a point of that? Uh, it doesn't matter. Well, his so any- name is Lucian, and the, then Michael calls him Milo because the kid who was there before him's name was Milo. Gotcha. And he, okay. he calls the kid who sits next to him Milo, regardless of who it is. Uh, it's implied okay. that either they get cured and they leave, or they die. So it doesn't matter. So yeah, so they become besties, and then um, Michael Morbius keeps doing these experiments... Um, and then at the same time, there's someone else trying to, I don't, <laughs> I saw it a week ago. I don't remember who the bad guys, why are they after him? I don't even remember. The bad guys are, they, they remember they got him on a boat or, or they're, they're driving the boat. Michael Morbius is on the boat, but why are they, why are the bad they're, guys? They're not bad guys. So, um, Milo is a, like a billionaire right. and Michael Morbius wants to do his experiments to experiment on himself to cure his blood disease, but he can't do it on government soil for some yes, reason. that's right. Because it's illegal. So they go to international <clears throat> waters. So Milo hires all of these goons to, because like they're like criminals, right? right? To like take the boat out. So Michael and what's her name? That's probably important to know. What is yeah. his name? Martine. Mm. can do this experiment on him in international waters. So they're just there because they're just hired goons. And they're not explicit, explicitly there to kill Michael Morbius, but then, unfortunately, he turns into a vampire <laughs> and then starts eating them. Right. So, yeah, so he, he kills everyone on the boat except for the girl, right? He leaves the girl alive. Well, and Martine is his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, that's what kind I mean. Of. But he kills everyone else, yeah. Yeah, and because... So then, um, she tries to get the, like, he's like freak, he's like turning into a vampire and the guys with the guns are like, get out of my way. And he shoves her and she mm-hmm. knock, gets knocked out on a console and in a coma somehow. Right. And then, so that pisses off vampire Michael Morbius. So then he has to, um, kill everybody. 
Right. And then <laughs> and then as the movie goes on, it's kind of one of those things where he ends up going to jail and then Michael Morbius or uh, Milo visits him in jail and leaves him. And basically it's one of those things where Michael Morbius is getting accused of all these murders and he's in jail. Uh, Milo comes to jail and leaves him a bag of blood. But then he leaves, and we re- sk- that's when we realize Michael- that Milo is also a vampire, right? You skip the part where, like, Morbius figures out his vampire powers, and he, like, jumps off the wall and stuff, right. and then Milo comes to visit him, and he's like, wow, you're cured, give me the cure. And instead of being like, no, it turned me into a bloodthirsty vampire, <clears throat> That's this is bad, he goes, no, you can't have it, it's a curse. Mm-hmm. And then Milo steals it anyway. Right. And takes it and becomes a vampire. Right. He, then he becomes a vampire, which is kind of a twist because, well, it's supposed to be a twist anyway. So then we realize he's a vampire. And then eventually, um, what's his name? That's later on. That's when he gives him the bag of blood. That's when Michael Morbius breaks out. Michael Morbius tracks down Milo and confronts him, right? And yeah. they have that fight. And then is that the one where it makes its way to the subway? It's and like then- that rest of the, the last 20 minutes of the movie is all of is the, the vampire fight. Right. Yeah, okay. Subway city, same thing. Whatever. <laughs> oh no! Right. And then like, he makes a poison to kill him at one point. Right. <laughs> he, oh, steals a, oh. a, a, he steals a he steals a a counter a money counterfeiting laboratory. Mm. Like he. I forgot about that. Yeah, he. Yeah, that's right. Because he's he's at a coffee shop, and he, or or whatever, and he sees someone using a counterfeit bill, so he follows that guy into like the underground thing. And then confronts them and beats the shit out of... Doesn't he kill them all? Oh, uh, no. He just spooks them. Okay. I don't he remember the... Why does he want... Why does he follow them? He needs the <clears throat> lab to make... More. S- poison to kill Milo? Yes. Because Milo's an evil vampire and he's killing people to become powerful. Whereas Morbius is not an evil vampire, even though he has definitely killed people. Yeah. Like he, oh. <laughs> this it, it, movie. it's an anticoagulant, which is like blood one hundred and one, because <laughs> he thinks it'll stop Milo now that he knows that he's a vampire, and it also help him because he can't control, he can't control his like thirst for blood, so he wants to also cure himself, even though he's cured himself by making himself a living vampire. Oh boy! Whatever. So basically, they end up fighting again. Morbius defeats Milo, right? Yes. With, with bats. With bats. With, with bats. With a, a, with a power he's never had in the comics and will never have. <laughs> um, and then that's the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so. Martine it's is a... also a vampire. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. She becomes a vampire too, right? Mm-hmm. I don't There's remember. also like this weird C plot. Do they wait? Do they only hint at Martine, or do they explicitly show that she's a vampire? Her eyes turn red. Ah, so, so it's one of those like, you know, sequel. Cl- yeah, sequel uh, teases. Okay. And then wait. there's a secret ending that we'll talk about later. We'll save that for later. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's the C plot you were talking about? I don't remember, Jilly. Oh, the you know the C plot where the actual living vampire Tyrese Gibson plays an <gasps> FBI agent. Yes. Yes. With what? a cybernetic arm that you never see. Yeah. And these agents, like all good supernatural thriller action films, are chasing the supernatural threat. 
and never catch them and their plot never you know um it, it never resolves they just run around the city creating an a, a, like a third obstacle for for our protagonist like it, it doesn't make sense why there's it, the c plot shouldn't exist i should say but well, it's tyrese is awesome so it says here all scenes with his high-tech weapons grade arm were cut <laughs> But he has signed a three-picture deal, so he will be oh, playing Stroud in the future. Yes. I mean, it, what an awesome choice. Um, but what a strange way to introduce them. Like, they they, mm-hmm. they get introduced, I get it, the FBI. When the body count goes up, the FBI gets involved. So the FBI is involved, but then once the FBI is involved, they're literally just chasing their tails. They're mm-hmm. chasing bats through the city. And that's it. They don't really do much with it. So unfortunate because those two are the only reason you would ever need to watch this movie is those two cops because <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone else in this movie sucks yeah let's <laughs> just... and or does not want to be there well i'll just say i watched this movie in a theater and i was this is the first time i've seen a superhero movie where i was really bored like i've seen some bad superhero movies like the original suicide squad and whatever but at this, I was usually entertained to some degree. Like, there was something for me to watch. This movie, I was looking at my watch. It was so boring. Yeah. It was so dreary. It was so lifeless. And for someone like Jared Leto, who puts so much effort into his, into his acting, wow, I didn't see it at all. I didn't see anything from him. I, I think anyone could have played that role better than him. You know? Which... I mean, do you want to just want to jump to the actors? We might as well, right? And we'll talk about everything else. Yeah, I thought he was crap. Right <laughs> okay, so what's that? I said, let's get right into that. We already, might as well. We're already tearing him a strip, so. Yeah, so Bex Luther, what did you think of Jared Leto? Or is it Leto or Leto? Who cares? Okay. Um, <laughs> it's my thought process. <laughs> if you're going to make your production company wheel you around in a wheelchair to go to the bathroom because you're taking too long to go to the bathroom and it's delaying production because you're method acting. Um, I don't care what your last name is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when I left the theater, my partner was like, so like, has Jared Leto been in other things besides this in Suicide Squad? Like, is this his first like <laughs> movie? Because he's not a good actor. And I was like, no, he's been acting for like a decade and a half. Um, Longer. Yeah. Two decades. Yeah, I'm like, well, he was in 30 Seconds to Mars, and then everything went downhill from there. <laughs> like, how are you going to say you, you, you pretended to have a blood disease and then give this performance? Mm-hmm. What a yawn fest. Like, uh-huh. It's so disappointing because he won an Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club playing uh, like a... Like a a member of the queer community and he was really good at it. Mm-hmm. Like it, the yeah. role was really good, but again, they could have just had someone from the queer community play a potentially trans woman. Non-binary. Right, that's who he was in that queen. movie. Yeah. <sighs> that movie was plagued with a lot of st- straight dudes playing queer people. Yeah. But, um, at least this one wasn't, offensive to me it just was offensive yeah me it wasn't offensive to me as a queer person it was offensive to me as a moviegoer and a and a 
sometimes enjoyer of Morbius. Yeah. I mean, all of the all of the things are there to make it to make his character really cool. Um, but he was literally sucking the life out of it. Yeah. There this movie is lifeless and joyless. Vampires are cool. Hello. Edward Cullen. Blade. Yeah. The two coolest guys we know. Exactly. And and like uh the whole like blood disease thing, all of this stuff is like really cool. He's trying to cure himself. He has this cool backstory where he you know what I mean all the parts are there, but for some reason it's just DOA. The thing is, yeah, is you know, sometimes we forget that the pe- the directors of these studio films at one point probably made good movies, right? They probably started out independently. They probably have a passion for film. And so I guess this director is taking it to heart that people are hating this movie. So I do feel sorry for him. But you just look at it and you go, yeah, it's like you said, Julie, there's pieces. Like at the opening flashback, when you see him in the hospital bed with the other kid, I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, this could be good. This could go somewhere. But it, it just feels like it's some, there's something weighing it down. There's a big black cloud of boringness and lifelessness, right? Just hanging over the whole movie. And I think, I, I don't know if it's just Jared Leto, but I, I think the key thing about him, and this is why he's so unwatchable on screen, there's a lot of talk about method acting. We're not going to get into that, but... His type of method acting, the problem is, is all of his attention is focused on himself. So when you're watching him on screen, all he's thinking about is like, you know, what would I do in this situation? You know, because I am, I am this vampire and this is what I would do. But he's not, he's not reacting to what's going on around him. So to me, he becomes boring. I'd rather watch someone who's like in the moment. Like even for some someone like Jennifer Lawrence, who's completely mainstream and is, she's super popular, but she is a good actress, but she does not get into the character. She said, I don't even think about the character when I go to the snack stand. Like she's on the screen, she says her lines, and then she leaves. But look how engaging she is on screen, right? Because she's in the moment. This guy's not in the moment. The fact that he has to be, like you said, pushed around in a wheelchair to go to the bathroom. He walks is, with crutches for the end. Walk with, yeah. If I was a director, I would have in my contract, I'm not working with someone who has to stay in character for the six weeks of shooting. That's just idiotic. But anyway, that's yeah, all I have to say about him. There's one scene where it's very obvious that, that he is so just inside of himself is when him and Milo are walk like they go for a walk for some reason. They go for a walk to the park and Matt Smith is is talking to Morbius and Morbius is talking to the camera. Yes. It's like so obvious he's reading his lines and Matt Smith is like bouncing off of him and it's just right. not it it's like he's hitting a brick wall and I feel so bad for Matt Smith to have to cuz I know Matt Smith works great as like he's the doctor. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. And like honestly Matt Smith's also like it seems to be having fun with the character. Thank God mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. was. Yeah. But yeah, well, speaking, it was just like, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, it's just so obvious that like one person is acting in a movie and one person is acting by themselves. Yes, yeah. that's the key. Speaking of Matt Smith, should we move on to Milo Morbius? Yeah, let's jump to him. Because he's probably 
the most redeeming vampire mm-hmm. of the two. Um, <laughs> this movie was boring, but he's always like a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. And like, um, he has actual stage presence where, mm-hmm. whereas like, ugh, again, you, you, you can see Jared Leto in himself. He's a visual representation of like what every actor fears. And I don't think he realizes that. And he might have to learn that harsh reality after this terrible movie. But mm-hmm. anyway, Matt Smith, wonderful, wonderful presence. There's like a golden glow or aura about him as he acts. And he's a vampire and he's making it interesting mm-hmm. and he's making it good. He can deliver lines. He's also a phenomenal actor. I don't know. I just, he's the better of the two. And it makes me wonder if he, like, he was Morbius, if this would be better. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, do we even need two vampires to play off each other to create conflict? Not really. Well, and th- okay. And this is the problem with the plot with Sony is they own all these Spider-Man villains. So they want to make spinoff movies. But they don't have Spider-Man, so they have to make them kind of the hero, right? Like with Venom and now with um, Morbius. So now that, so then they have to create a villain. So then in this movie, what's his name? Milo, whatever his name is. Apparently, he's sort of based on a character in the comics, but they changed the name. Uh, so yeah, it's Crown, um, The Hunger. Right. So it's kind of like, okay, they use the comics, but not really... But yeah, we didn't really need this guy. Like, maybe it w- would have been better. Okay, let's just imagine Matt Smith plays Morbius, and maybe it's just the FBI guys chasing after him, and there's no other vampire, right? Maybe that's the movie. I mean, would that have worked? I don't know, but... Well, You're that's right, the though. problem with these villain movies, is they're taking characters that are bad guys. <laughs> and like, yeah, yep. Venom is... is not so much a bad guy anymore and Morbius is kind of like he's not an anti-hero but he doesn't start off a bad guy but like if this movie was about Michael Morbius turning into the living vampire and then he's killing people and then we shift to the focus to the FBI agents who have to stop him like it could have been it's, it could have been interesting at least but they have to make these bad guys into the main character and I just it, he killed a lot of people on that boat, and I was right. upset. And he got no no justice for that. Like, right. he's like, yeah, but Matt Smith is uh is killing people for for fun. And I'm like, you killed people. Mm-hmm. You killed people. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not a good guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> and apparently, the story goes that Karen Gillan urged him to join the cast, and he Matt didn't Smith. want to. But he also, uh saw who the director was and was like, sure, I'll get involved. I I don't even know what this guy's done. Um, um, and not a lot. Just, he's, um, Matt Smith has so much fun. He's like a foreign... Uh, he's done a lot of foreign film, like Brazil. Okay. Yeah. Nothing yeah, that I've, I've ever seen. I've never seen anything he's done, yeah. Well, the thing is... Now, here's the problem, though, is that even Matt Smith, when he was... Um, you remember the scenes of him alone in his apartment when he's, like, dancing and all that? Mm-hmm. Love it. So it's great. He's having fun. But it's, again, that black cloud is there of, I don't know if it was the music, the editing. It's almost like he wanted to be in a fun movie, but the movie wouldn't let him be fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it was holding him back. So it's like he is outside the movie, so it doesn't really fit. It doesn't, the tone is all wrong, you know? Whereas if you look at a movie like, um, 
like the Blade movies or say Ghost Rider. Everyone hates the Ghost Rider movie. I own it on Blu-ray. The Ghost Rider, the first one is not a great movie, but it has moments of genuine humor when I'm laughing out loud. Like, do you remember the scene where uh, Nicolas Cage as Johnny Blaze is like drinking an entire pot of steaming hot coffee? And then there's another scene where it cuts to him and he's listening to the Carpenters. Like, and then Eva Mendez when she's in the bar and she's being stood up. There's some genuine moments of levity in that movie. But this movie, whenever they tried to have it, it's like it stuck out like a sore thumb. So it didn't work for me, you know? Even though I know Matt Smith is funny, it just felt like it didn't work for me. I think the big thing is for those those older like superhero movies, they were just genuinely trying to make a, a good movie, right? Right. And then this one, I'm sure the director was at one point trying to just generally make a good movie, and then Sony comes in and is like, mm, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta right. do this. And like, whose decision was it to have a vampire movie have no blood? Like, there's blood in bags, but that's it. <sighs> you know, I wonder if this goes back to... Okay, so I, we've been reviewing the Spider-Man cartoon, the 90s cartoon on our podcast, and I didn't know how much of that influenced the movies. Like, for example, um, the portrayal of... Oh, I can't even remember at this point. It, no, it might have been Blade, where mm -hmm. I realized, oh, this character, the supporting character from the movie is actually from the cartoon. So if you it remember... Says his look, right? His aesthetic from the cartoon? His, right. Yeah, because in the comic, he was like in like a green trench coat and like red yeah, sunglasses. Yeah, just a British man. Right. And then they were like, nah, black trench coat. And then right. the movie was like, yeah, Wesley Snipes. <laughs> so, but also that's where they couldn't show Blade or the they couldn't show the other vampires. I, am I mixing up stories? Is, yeah, they couldn't show Morbius biting necks and sucking blood. So he sucks it out of his hands. Right. So, but wasn't, was it, it also bags of blood, blood in that? Okay. It's, it's like life essence. Plasma. So maybe that's where they kind of got the idea for this. Instead of showing him on their necks, maybe they're like, well, we'll just have him drinking out of these bags. But, like, there's no, there's not, like, a lot of blood in this movie. It's, like, the only vampire movie that's, like, PG-13. <laughs> right. Which they is, again, way more. It, it's, like, we know there's an audience for vampire movies. So if you own the rights to a vampire, why don't you just make it a vampire movie? Right? Yeah. Make a horror I don't film. get it. Make a thriller. Right. Could you imagine... Matt Smith as an unhinged foil to a a vampire trying not to be a vampire. Like, that would have been awesome. He could have been so scary if that character that, like, he's he's never been able to, like, have fun and, and, that, and then now he is just fully embraced in in this, um, this, like, greedy, just having everything. So, like, he could have been scary. Mm-hmm. But. Okay, here's an example. This is what it reminds me of. You guys are familiar with the whole Dark Universe debacle, right? Ah, the Dark Universe Cinematic Universe. The Duke, yeah. yes. Where they signed 25 actors to three pictures each. You know, they had a double-page spread in magazines, and then they, they launched the whole universe with The Mummy starring Tom Cruise. And it tanked so badly that the entire thing imploded and no other projects ever came out of it, right? But then what they did was they said, well, we still have the rights to all these characters. So why don't we give The Invisible Man to a director that actually knows how to make good movies? Now, did you guys ever see The Invisible Man with... Um, Elizabeth Moss? No, I will Elizabeth Moss, it it's really funny. good. Yes, it's excellent. Because he just meant, no, I'm just going to make a good movie. Now, if you took that exact quality of movie and applied it to Morbius, of course, yes, Morbius would not be a hero. He'd be the bad guy. 
but at least you could go, okay, well, Morbius terrorized these people. It's almost like a, like, like, it's like Friday the 13th or Halloween. Mike Myers killed these 25 teenagers, and now I'm going to go see the sequel so I can see him kill 25 more teenagers. That's what Morbius could have been. He could have just been a guy that just killed people. Like, and there's your movie, right? Why not? Yep. Because Sony can't market that to everybody. That's the problem is this movie should have been about Martine. She should have been the main character. Mm. Mm-hmm. But then you can't call it Morbius the Living Vampire and sell it a million Morbius toys and then have f- fucking Vulture at the end. Like, but I think that would have been an even more interesting movie if you had her be the ca- the main character. And she's like, oh, this this scientist that she's fallen in love with has asked her to help him cure his disease. So she's helping him and he turns into a, a monster and she still loves him, but he's killing people. And maybe she tries to figure out how to cure him and she can't. And it's... And then he turns her into a monster because he doesn't want to lose her. Exactly. That's, you're right. That's the movie I want. And and then that's the the fan fiction dream is like your monster boyfriend makes you immortal now. Right. Because now we have like a situation like Halloween where it's Carrie Strode, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, or Nightmare on Elm Street, you have Nancy, or any of those horror franchises, there's usually a, a woman who's... The, the protagonist and the bad guy is the antagonist. And she's the one, or even like Ripley in Alien, she's the one that knows. I'm the only one that knows how to kill him or I'm the only one that knows how to deal with him. And maybe no one ever believes her, right? And she's got to get like people on her side to believe her. That would have been a great, that could have been a franchise. But mm-hmm. it's like you said, Becca, maybe maybe the first movie would have only appealed to $100 million worth of people, but then maybe it could have built from there. But now they've, they're like, no, we have to appeal to everybody. And so now no one likes it, right? It appeals to no one. Because there are little bits and pieces. Like, if we want to keep going with characters about Dr. Uh, what's her last name? Martine. Bancroft. Bancroft, She's right. great. There are little bits and pieces which, which denote that she's devoted her whole life to her job. She doesn't have friends. She doesn't have family. She has a cat. Um, like, that could have been a character to be super explored upon as a main character in, in this movie. And her, like... Morbius, she starts off with, like, maybe he's she, he's trying to not eat people. And then eventually turns to a full bloodthirsty. Because I liked her. Yeah. I thought she was interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't like how they just put her in a coma for a good chunk of the movie. Mm-hmm. From hitting her head. Because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved her interaction with the police where she was, like, not giving up anything. Like, mm-hmm. her character was very interesting. She was very loyal and very focused and but they did she was Morbius's girlfriend unfortunately mm-hmm. yep so Sad. we that's pretty much I mean we we've, I mean we all agree that um, Adria Ariana was great as Martine Bancroft she should have been more the focus of the film there's really no one else of note to talk about I mean there's the FBI agents who cares there's all these other characters who cares they're all Faceless I like the FBI agents. I thought Tyrese Gibson, obviously, love him. And mm-hmm. um, oh, what was the other guy's name? Al Madrigal. Al Madrigal. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god! I used to stay up late to watch him on the Daily Show all the time. I love yeah. him. He's really he's super funny, and that could have injected like a different kind of energy into this horror film. But it, they didn't do it. Right. You could feel that they were trying to do it. Yes, exactly. It's a, you're right. You could see them trying, but the movie. Yeah. And like, like, I do also, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. we're t- no, still go. talking about the FBI agents, but yeah. um, go. I wanted to talk about Jared Harris. 
Wait, as, he was. He he was the guy that ran the. Or he's like he the was doctor. A, yeah, he's the doctor that ran the facility. He's helping Milo and Michael. Emil. Uh, um, yeah, Doctor Emil Nicholas. Nicholas. He played like my favorite character in Mad Men, Lane Price. Mm. He's such a good actor. Again, a waste. Just like Al Madrigal, just like Tyrese Gibson. A waste of a role. (sighs) This film could have been so much better. If this film was a true horror movie, that scene where they're like, uh, they were arrested, Michael Morbius and and Al Madrigal puts the holy water in front of him, that would have been so funny. Right. And also very like, but like, it just... It was like too funny of a joke for the the movie, and I yeah. didn't laugh because mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, okay, like this this tonally weird." That's exactly it. Whenever something like that would happen, like with the holy water, I'm sitting here going, "Am I supposed to be laughing? Is it supposed to be funny?" And it, you're right; it's like they got the tone so wrong. I, it was frustrating. I bet you that the actors. Because a lot of times actors, they'll do a movie like this and they'll be like, oh, I thought it was going to be terrible. And then they'll see the final cut and be like, oh, no, it was actually pretty good. Because you can't always see what the director's vision is. And I bet you these guys were like, we were, oh, my God, this is going to be so good. We were so funny on set. And then they go and see the premiere and they're like, what the hell happened? What did you do? Oops. Um, <laughs> Roll for initiative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three um, critical because like i feel like tyrese gibson and al madrigal those two as like a buddy cop duo in like an mcu marvel movie Mm -hmm. be amazing and i'm so sad that they're not in the mcu and they're in sony's weird venom verse so we've kind of already spoiled it but we'll just let's talk about the post-credits sequence is so oh so the first mid-credit sequence we get a little reference to the multiverse the multiverse thing then all of a sudden adrian tombs which is the vulture played by michael keaton appears in a jail cell and then he's like huh i hope the food's better here joke written by ben stiller right how do you know where you are you don't know that exactly like how do you know oh i must be in another universe so then we cut to it's so fucking stupid we cut to like news footage of like a criminal or you know a a man suddenly appeared in a jail cell blah 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 empty for days yeah what and why would he appear in a jail cell like why wouldn't he just appear like by the side of the lake somewhere it's just (laughs) idiotic eh he was transported from the jail cell in the mcu that he was in to the jail cell in the sonyverse yep i guess okay um so then Oof. Okay, so and this is this is the not as bad mid credit scene because the next yeah. one, yes, is no, the worst wanna, thing that's ever happened to me. Do you want to explain the last one then, Becca? Explain the final <laughs> one. Okay, so vampire living vampire Michael Morbius is driving a car um, for some reason <laughs> in the nighttime <laughs> because he's he not just spent the entire film flying. Yes, he can fly. We've determined that. Like, but okay, we're driving a car. I guess there was some sort of Honda sponsorship um to this like um this the weirdest of just random field where there's like an old decrepit house and adrian tomb shows up but not michael keaton it's just like the new vulture suit and it's definitely 80 yard voices in there because like they michael keaton was available for one day um mm-hmm. and he shows up and he's like hey 
Michael Morbius, it's me, Adrian Toomes the Vulture. We gotta team up, form a team. I hear this Spider-Man guy. I don't like him. And that's the that's it. That's what happens. And I'm like, huh? So, but who's Spider-Man? That's what I mean. He lands and he says, "I don't know why I'm here, but I think it's got something to do with Spider-Man." What? And Michael Morbius doesn't go, "Who's Spider-Man?" Right. Who are you? What do you mean? Okay. What Can team? We... <laughs> the team of who? For what? Where'd you get and that why? suit? <laughs> it's okay. Let's just back up for a minute here. <laughs> if we wanted to introduce uh, the Vulture into this universe, couldn't we have shown like, you know, for example, like if if to make it simple, like imagine uh, Michael Keaton just pops up in the middle of whatever, New York or something, and he realizes, oh my God, I was just in jail, but now I'm free. What what am I going to do now? And we could just, maybe he could like look at a newscast and he could see Morbius or he could see something. And all you have to do is suggest, oh, this is what he's thinking. Or, or maybe, I don't know what, like just the fact that he's free is enough, right? Like if you have a criminal and then all of a sudden they're free, you kind of go, well, they're probably going to commit more crimes. But instead they have him, explain everything well i don't know why i transported to this universe but it probably has something to do with spider-man cut all that shit out why do you even need that garbage right it's how does like, he know he's in another universe right exactly you're right yeah because the whole the whole thrill of um movies like this like either time travel or multi multiple dimensions is when the character picks up a newspaper and goes oh my god i'm in the past or they pick it up and they go you know oh president al gore or whatever there's something different about the universe where they realize they're in another dimension which is cool because then you're kind of along that journey with the character but in this it's just all talking heads and bullshit anyway i thought that yeah i, I it's been said that this is like the worst post credit sequence ever done and i agree jolie what do you think <laughs> uh, i just <laughs> She's speechless. I, uh, I've never been like angry. <laughs> right. When I watch these things, and I was like hurt and uh -huh. angry. Like I'm, I feel it. I'm, it's bubbling. I'm still mad about it. I'm mad. Like, what the fuck? It's just so, so embarrassing, eh? Yeah. The writing's embarrassing. It's like, it's like. Does one like I feel like Jared Leto had too much pull about everything, and I feel like just because he had like you know this Oscar crammed up his ass, like everyone feels like they gotta listen to this guy. Did he have anything to do with this? I blame this end credit scene on him. I don't. I I can't imagine it was anything other than like horrific studio interference. Yeah. Oh, like I feel so bad for the director to have to f have filmed this part. Yeah. Right. Like, everyone on set. Was probably like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or Michael thing, Keaton. Yeah, he's I like, know. He's in a he's in a booth saying these lines, knowing that they're stupid sounding, and he's just counting his dollar bills and he does not care. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh god, I can't wait to move to the DC universe. This is horseshit. He's like, yeah, because he probably doesn't give a shit. He's like, I get to be Batman again. Who cares? Yeah, he's like, you oh, know what? Yeah, that's right. And, and I'm just, yeah, I'm brainstorming in my head. Okay, what would be a cooler way to do this? Now, imagine if they showed Michael Keaton as uh, Vulture in his universe, and then maybe they showed Michael Keaton in this universe, and we establish 
that Michael Keaton is like a good guy in this universe. And he's a businessman, and he's successful, and maybe Michael Keaton, good guy, is about to go on stage and do a speech, or he's at a board meeting, or he's doing something. And then we see the the multiverse thing happened with Doctor Strange and Spider-Man for like one second, so we know that something's gone wrong. And then we all of a sudden flash, and we see that the Michael Keaton in the other universe is like, why am I in jail? And then the one in this universe who's like a businessman and successful is like looking around and we realize it's the evil Michael Keaton now. Wouldn't that be more compelling to be like, oh no, look, the two versions of Michael Keaton have been switched. Like, wouldn't that be a more compelling premise to be like, oh, now I got to see what happens next, right? But I think they wanted to fully take him out of the MCU for Which, some reason. They still could have if we did it this way. I'm just trying to think of a way that... That's you know, a lot. You... I mean, it's it's better plotted than it better, this movie. It's definitely better. <laughs> the five seconds it well, took you to think of that is definitely yeah. better. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I like the whole idea of maybe he maybe he does find himself in this universe as like a, a completely different person uh, and then you can go from there uh, but i also do like the whole he sees maybe morbius in a news clip in a television in a pawn right. shop window i don't know like something and he or he sees something that gives him a clue as to like this universe not being his and then it just right. ends because that's the thing with end credit scenes it's mysterious. Not over-explaining, bullshitty garbage, just in case there isn't a Morbius 2, you know? Right, and I'll, I'll tell you, going back to like early days of the MCU, when at the end of Iron Man, what was it? It was Nick Fury Nick appears. Fury. Then at the end of the Hulk, was Iron it... Iron Man appears. Right. So he, these, and he talks to Thunderbolt in the bar. Right, just these little things. And then, was it the first Avengers movie that the post credit sequence was Thanos, right? I think? Yes, it was just his face. When he turned around, I screamed like a 10-year-old girl. Like, I sounded like Abby. Like, I was so <laughs> excited. I couldn't believe it, right? And that's what you... She if saw they a dog. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when Abby sees a dog. It's like, if they just would have had... A hint of one frame of of um, the, uh, the vulture that would have been better than what we got, because you, then you can use your imagination. <gasps> Why is the vulture here? How did he get here? What's he gonna do? But instead, they all this exposition just ruins it. Yep. And like my biggest thing is, you have established that Morbius and Venom are in the same universe. Why wasn't he in the post credits? Yeah. Good like, point. Like, like, are they in the same universe or are they, do they know each, like, what's going, like, okay. why, I just have, I just wanted to know, I, I would have liked to see them maybe have an interaction. <laughs> this brings up another problem. The trailer for this was terrible. One of the, the thing I hated the most in the trailer was when Morbius, the guy says, who are you? And he says, I'm Venom. And then he says, just joking. It's your old pal, Dr. Michael Morbius. Well, in the movie, it was like a different take. Did you notice that? Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't say that. He oh, my God. And I, and I remember we got into this debate with Josh, and he's like, oh, I'm fine with them, including scenes and trailers that are not in the movie. I am 100% against it. I, well, because a lot of the time these trailers get rushed out, and the movie's not done yet. Right. Right? So that's the big thing is they probably ended up 
see, but the Morbius does that's not it's not fair because they ended up cutting that line, but they didn't cut anything else in this movie, so I don't, I don't give them that. But there are some trailers that like like the the, the teaser trailers where like the 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 visual effects aren't even done yet. Right, right. And like they just want to get footage out for Comic Con or something, <clears> and then that doesn't end up being in the final f- cut. I don't mind that as much, but when it's like your theat like your theatrical trailer and the movie's coming out in a couple months and the movie's done and then the trailer doesn't have stuff in it it's like okay well, why or if the trailer has too much in it <laughs> like just right. don't put don't put your major plot points in the trailer and then you don't have to have stuff that's not in the movie in the trailer <laughs> exactly exactly and really and this is the thing is <sighs> At some point, when you're talking about a, a franchise like a superhero franchise, especially something like, say, Batman, the first or second trailer of the Batman was so good. It was universally acclaimed. And then the next one, they started to give too much away. And I feel like, look, everyone knows who Batman is. Everyone's going to see this. All you have to do is sell us on the style. And you go, oh, my God, look at him, you know, the upside down shot and bulletproof clothes. You don't need to give it. No one's going to sit there and be like, oh, I'm kind of on the fence about the new Batman movie. <laughs> oh, he's investigating the bar. The blood. What? Nobody cares. They, they just want to. It looks cool. Now I'm going to go see it. Right. And I think the same thing is with this movie. The trailer said too much. The movie said too much. The post credit said too much. I don't know. It's like they screwed it up every step of the way. So just while we were discussing, I was doing a little bit of reading because I'm honestly really confused about the first, uh, the first post credit scene, which is not the worst one. And apparently they were using the reason why he hears a newscast um, is because it's a dailybugle.net newscast, mm, which yeah. places it in the No Way Home universe. I was like, really? That's the that's. This is the cheese string that you want to stretch? This is insane. I was like, mm-hmm. that, like, you know how post credit scenes are like, they, they give you enough Easter eggs that it's interesting and fun of a hunt? This is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. hate this. Oh. Well, so also, mad. we haven't mentioned the, we'll just qu- quickly mention the writers of this film are Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless, who, who've, whose previous credits include Dracula Untold and the Gods of Egypt. Now, I saw Dracula oh. Untold. I did not like it. Gods of Egypt is a bad movie. I, I can imagine. Oh, <laughs> they, they also contributed to the Power Rangers reboot, which was like, oh. okay. Um, hey. Okay. Uh, don't, don't you do it. Don't go there. I, I like the Power Rangers movie. <laughs> but let's talk about The Last Witch Hunter starring Vin Diesel, which was garbage. Okay. Okay, but nobody that is a Vin Diesel passion project. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, passion project. Passion project. Look, Vin Diesel loves two things. He loves going fast in cars and he loves hunting witches and also being really awkward in interviews. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, Gods of Egypt was definitely bad. That's the movie where all the white guys play the good gods and all of the not white guys play the bad gods. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> terrible i guess i just wonder you know the fact that they hired these guys to write this movie proves that i think sony's sony is in the position with superheroes where everyone else was in like 2005 when they were treating superhero films like schlock action films right yeah like 
X-Men and like we said, even Ghost Rider and Elektra and Daredevil and Fantastic Four, those were all schlocky, crappy action films. It wasn't really until, well, it started, I mean, Spider-Man was good and then Batman Begins was Christopher Nolan and then, uh, then the MCU started and it kind of went from there. But Sony is stuck in 2005. They're still making shitty, schlocky action crap and it's their own fault, you know? I mean, they can hire any writer in the world they want, and these are the guys that we got stuck with, you know? So it's partly their fault, too. Well, I think they just have these properties, and they're just making money. They're just making movies to see if they can maybe ride the coattails of the MCU and make some money. So, like, what was the the, the budget on this? was $75 million. Which isn't a... For a blockbuster, it's not that much. No, especially compared to other superhero <clears throat> movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're just trying to, it's like a cash crab, but like, at least with the MCU, like, like it started off with, with, with Kevin Feige and everybody wanting to make good movies. And I mean, mm. like, they still make good movies, but like, it didn't start off, it wasn't like, let's make the Justice League and make a billion dollars, right? It was like, let's make some superhero movies. Mm-hmm. And then, all of a sudden, now we're making a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think Morbius was anyone's passion project. No, no, you're right. Yeah, you're, the key thing with Iron Man was was it was a good movie and it was a hit. And they basically, from, from my memory, Iron Man came out and the next day is when they signed all these sequels. Like, okay, same Jackson, nine picture deal, blah, blah, blah. So with all of these planned universes, first you have to have a good movie. You know, you, you start with that. You can't start with The Mummy. You know, you don't start with the universe, then put out the mummy. You have to start with the Invisible Man, and when the Invisible Man's a hit, then you go, okay, what now? Maybe we can spin something out of this. That's how you do it, right? But they're doing everything backwards. So, I don't know. I guess my final question is: is what is the future of the Sony verse? Like, are they going to keep going? Are they going to make Craven the Hunter? Like, what do you yeah, guys think is going to happen? Right? What's that? It's in production, right? As far as I know, yeah. But like, aren't they doing Craven's Last Hunt? That's what they're saying this movie's based off of? How? Without Spider-Man. It's just, that's what I mean. They're... <laughs> we just read that, and it's just like, the whole thing is this poem about how much better than he is about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that's what they'll do. They'll try to do it with a different character, but it won't work. No, it'll it be says... garbage. And then, uh, what's-his-face's career will be down the toilet. Anthony Taylor-Johnson... Oh, is he playing Craven? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I'm gonna look that up. Craven, uh, yeah, he was uh, right. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Quicksilver. I apologize. <sighs> yeah, I'm looking was, it up right now. He was already Quicksilver, right? Yes. And he was also Kickass. Right. Uh. Oh great. Anyway, Russell Crowe is in this film. That should be good. Ah. Uh. My favorite. I loved him in. (laughs) Anyway, all I can think about is him in Les Mis pissing me off. Uh Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, we'll leave it at that. Um, So let's give recommendations. I do not recommend this film. Um, Yeah, like I said, I'm going to put this in the realm of. um, I'm not even going to put it in the realm of the 2005 Fantastic Four. I'm going to put it in the realm of. Fan stick, as people call it, yeah. the reboot from 2015. This is a, just a bad movie. Uh, G.I. Jolie, do you recommend this film? If you hate yourself, sure. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I hate myself, but I didn't like it. Okay, you're right, you're right. <laughs> no, I don't. Just don't waste your time. Uh, if your little pisses you off, this is also going to make you angry. Um, oh my god! Don't even convince yourself that the other actors in the film are worth your time because they know that even you should not support them in this endeavor. Don't watch this movie. It's terrible. Mm. Bex Luther. Fun fact about Morbius and Fantastic Four, same cinematographer. Not surprising. They both look um, shit. But unfortunately for them, I would much rather watch the original Fantastic Four than this. At least that movie is fun. Yeah, I agree. At, like, is it a great Fantastic Four movie? No. But it's funny in a way that it doesn't intend to be. It's <laughs> I can see what's going on in that movie. <laughs> Just a hundred percent less bats. There's no bats. Um, this the scene in Batman Begins where he calls the bats to aid him. Like way to rip that off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like do it so much worse. Right. But yeah, no. <sighs> Who saw this movie? Just just the people who were reviewing it, right? Just the nerds who wanted to shit on Jared Leto. Nobody's going to see this movie. Nobody cares about Morbius. Nobody cares about Jared Leto. Nobody cares about recommendations. Everyone just wanted to make fun of this movie, and then we did. And it made a couple million dollars off of that, so... Mm-hmm. I wish I could make money off of people making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day, maybe one day we'll make money on this podcast. Anyway, okay. I guess we'll leave it at that. So you can hear every episode of Here Comes the Spidercast at www.comicbooksyndicate.com. Each week we review a chronological batch of Spidey comics. And we review the 90s cartoon and we review all the Spidey movie spinoffs. So be sure to join us every week, every Monday. I want to thank G.I. Jolie and Bex Luther for joining us. Joining me. <laughs> You're welcome. And speaking Josh of Royal got out Wade, of this one. He's, yeah. like, he's like, nah, I didn't see Barbie. Sorry, guys. I did no not thanks. blame him. <laughs> he paid for a ticket and still didn't see it. Anyway. <laughs> that's, that's supporting the arts mm-hmm. and also saving your eyes. So, yeah, on that note, until next Monday, see you later. Ah!